Hey there, welcome to the Coach C Podcast. This is Christine Nielsen with Contrast Results Group, and you have joined, if you're joining us on YouTube, you're joining us on the Daily C, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are listening to the Reboot Podcast. Reset, reboot, reinvent. That's what we're about. Leadership transitions, shifts, how to build your business, make it more incredible than it already is, and how to create uh, the leadership impact that you want to create. So that's enough about us. Today, we have a really special guest all the way from Edmonton, Alberta. Jesse Hill is the president of Tier 3 IT Solutions, and every one of you who is listening to this, I know that you probably at some point are challenged by some of your IT solutions that you either have in your business or don't have in your business and you need. So we've invited Jesse to talk about what's happening uh, post, well, it's not post-COVID, we're still in the middle of coming through COVID, we're in a pandemic, (laughs) and really to discuss kind of Number one, his entrepreneurial journey as a business leader in Canada, and then number two, to talk about you know some of the things that are happening that he's seeing and how he can help uh, his companies and his clients. So welcome, Jesse. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Christine. I'm happy to be here. I'm very happy that you were willing to join us. Now, my biggest first question is uh, when everybody talks about IT, there are so many things that that could actually mean. Right, mm-hmm. so it means a variety of things. But what does your solution mean for your business perspective? Well, so good question. And, and to us, I think the way that we approach it is probably a little bit different than what a lot of traditional IT companies do. I mean, we've been doing this for thirty years, and uh, I mean, the reality is is that our industry and our business at times has been very, you know, technology first, and we would bring in a, a new technology solution and ask the business to adopt it and adapt to the technology. Right. And what we've really done the last two years is we've we've realized that, I mean, when you break it down, technology is a tool. It is meant to, you know, enhance your operations and efficiency and effectiveness and, and all of those types of things. And if we don't understand what the business is trying to accomplish, how are we even managing technology? So, so the way that I describe it to clients is I say, if you were going to bring your leadership team together and sit around the boardroom table and talk about where the business is going to go in you know, six months, a year, three years, whatever that horizon is, you'd have sales and marketing, you'd have operations, you'd have finance, you'd have HR, right? Because those are our core business pillars. Technology deserves a seat at that table. Right. If it's not a core part of your business and how you're anticipating your your move forward, um, you're probably missing something um, because it's going to be very reactive if we're just constantly being told, well, the decision was made, you know, three weeks ago at our leadership team and now we need you to do this thing. Well, technology should be there helping guide those conversations. I I love that. So I, first off, I applaud you for having that be your mandate because so many times I'm helping companies build and you're right IT solutions IT frameworks IT visibility isn't at the decision making table and they lump it in with operations yeah and it's you know operations is not IT and I think that's such a critical distinction that so many businesses make the mistake because they have very different functionality. And 
you were you were speaking to that. So unpack that a little bit more for uh, an entrepreneur or business owner who is, you know, working on building their business. Yeah. So I mean, for us, it's just recognizing that. I, I mean, let's face it. A lot of the times when I go and meet with clients, um, they want to talk about a technology problem. You know, that's not working, or this needs to be upgraded, or you know, this project needs to be done, and. What we want to do is we want to steer it, you know, from um, you know technology support and technology, um, you know, management to how is technology influencing business outcomes? Mm -hmm. Because an example I love when we started doing this, um, you know, really de designing the process around how do we engage in business level conversations with our clients. Um, we, we built this whole workshop um, and we're sitting with a client and they, they run an accounting firm and about an hour outside of Edmonton and we got to this slide where we, we were talking about business challenges and I made it very clear to them, I want to understand not just what are your technology issues, but what are your business challenges and it was amazing because one of the partners turned to us and he said, you know, our biggest business challenge right now is that we cannot recruit another management accountant to the firm. Hmm. And I'm like, holy, like you never would have talked to us about this, you know, a year ago or three years ago because we would have been talking about tickets and backups and, you know, all of that kind right. of stuff. And so it was amazing because we, we got to unpack that a little bit with them. Um, you know, ultimately, as we went further down, down the line, we ended up coming up with a couple of different technology options for them. To help them, you know, minimize that challenge, minimize that risk, yeah, and uh, you know, hopefully have an impact on their business. Yeah, I I love that you said that because so many businesses don't realize that as they plan the future and the vision of the company, they need it to grow, and they need to have growth elements of of that. And technology plays a critical role in your ability to automate certain elements, to be able to attract the right kinds of people to your business to be yeah. able to pivot when you need to pivot. For instance, like what we've just done with COVID. You know, a lot of people were working in very, you know, they were working in the office, they'd go in every day, they had their technology available to them on their hands, they didn't need to learn new tools. Now they, now that that reality was shifted, they, that wasn't something that was planned, but you can plan so many of these things for the future of the company if you know the purpose and the direction that people are going in. Yeah. So the way that we look at it is, is, and I've said this to my team for years, is that we are business advisors who specialize in technology. So the, the cool thing about this one example is that when we got down to it, you, you made a comment about attracting people. Well, when we got into it, we found out this was an accounting firm that didn't have a web page. Like this is 2020, <laughs> and they're an hour outside of Edmonton, and we go, okay, so... You know, who are you trying to attract? Because my assumption is you want them to move from Edmonton. They're probably in a certain age range. They're articling in one of the big firms, and they've they've hired a headhunter. Well, that headhunter is probably representing other firms, and so they walk into the you know they send these people an email and say, hey, here's five firms that are looking to bring on a management account. You might be able to be a partner one day. What do you think the first thing they're going to do is? And, and they go, okay, well, that firm doesn't exist. So I'm, I have no interest in moving an hour outside of town to a firm that doesn't exist online. And uh, 
So that was a good example of, you know, we are not web designers. We are not marketers. We are not recruiters. We are not, you know, none of that is in our wheelhouse. But because we're coming to them as business advisors who specialize in technology, you know, if you had that boardroom table, I mean, you wouldn't expect that the the CIO can build a web page, but they can identify that you have a gap and they can make recommendations and manage that project for you. And, uh, you know, so, so it's interesting how it's expanded our reach, you know, within our client base um, beyond what, what we do. Yeah. And I love that. I remember years ago, I consulted to a very large oil and gas company. I've consulted to a lot of international companies and they decided they were going to do an SAP implementation. And when one of the things that you had mentioned earlier in the conversation is, you know, how does technology work with the people and how do you have them use tools that actually make an impact on the business? What results are you trying to produce? I'm sure you have seen this, but anytime a large tech implementation happens, if people aren't involved and they don't understand why they have to do this now, what happens? And they go to flip that very expensive SAP switch and they're now all of a sudden bleeding money. And I mean bleeding money because their people weren't engaged in the process of the implementation of that, tech, of that specific technology. And I'm not throwing SAP under the bus. Please, I don't want any phone calls from anyone at SAP. But if you're not engaged in the process and you're not cultivating a live understanding of why we're doing this tech shift or why we're implementing these systems to support you to be able to do your job, what, where have you seen that? Well, 100%. I mean, and that's, I think, one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of people are afraid that technology, you know, we always talk about how automation is going to, replace so many, you know, what percentage of the workforce, you know, go, go to will robots take my job or steal my job.com. And you can find out, you know, that if you're an accountant, there's a 98% chance that robots will be able to do your job. And, um, you know, really what it comes down to is technology is, is supposed to take away the mundane, you know, repetitive, you know, database tasks to free the humans so that we can do that higher value, you know, analysis and um, you know, build relationships and creative thinking and those types of things. And what a lot of people, when they're rolling out these big, you know, platform changes, the team that's on the receiving end doesn't understand that this is meant to make their lives easier. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but like I personally don't respond well to people telling me what I need to do. Yes. Right? It's probably why I run Why you're an entrepreneur. Exactly. Someone, right? um, so kind of recognizing that, that, you know, if, if I don't appreciate being told what to do, then people that work for me probably don't either. So, and I'm not pretending that I'm, you know, that I have this figured out, that I'm an expert at it or anything, but you have to help people understand what the, what the outcome is supposed to be why it's a good thing, how it's going to help them live a better life. Yeah. You know, instead of them having, you know, this, this mindset of, oh, they want to know, you know, you're putting in an ERP, they want to know every minute of every day, you know. Well, no, it's, it's having that information helps us understand the inputs that we're putting into our clients 
so that we can determine which clients are our best clients so that we can get more of those. And, and then people start going, oh, so, so if, if the company actually knows all this information about what we're all doing, then we can get better clients. Yeah, we can grow. <laughs> My life will be better. Right, yeah. or whatever the yeah. metric is that they're being yeah. looked at. Yeah, I love that you said that because so many people are afraid of technology. And they you'll see people like Google's listening, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll close their, their camera and they'll do all of these things. I'm sure you've had this experience um, in our kitchen. We have a Google Home and people are talking about, you know, whatever it is. And then it shows up on your Instagram feed or on your Facebook feed, that product, that whatever you were talking about or a variety of advertisements for that. And I think that really scares people. To me, I love it because I'm a business owner and this AI technology allows me to reach into the kitchens of my clients and say something inspirational without, you know, I just have to go and make sure Google knows how inspiring I am. And if that person says, oh, I want to go listen to a particular speaker, then I need to make sure I'm on top of that cue. So it's interesting to me, and I'm super curious. I have not tapped it yet. I haven't reached it. You haven't seen any Coach C on your Instagram yet, but I'm working on it. So (laughs) tell me a little – so tell me about um, instead of the fears, what are you noticing? Because I'm also seeing this embracement now of technology. People who were – you know, they had an IT department. They go to the office. Everything's done for them. They barely even – they just have to sit down, click the button, and it comes on right? Now they're at home and they have to figure out, you know, all kinds of crazy things. And what's the impact that you're seeing, not only on the people, but on the businesses that you service? You know, so this will be something that will get turned into case studies for years to come. I mean, the the traditional approach, you know, when we would bring a client on board is we we would go in and look and say, all right, you have this building and there's 35 people who come to this building and everything happens inside this building except for those three sales guys that go and have lunch with people. And so we need to, you know, build and manage a network and, a, and an environment of technology to support these people in this building. And with COVID, now what we've done is we've gone, okay, well, no, we're, we're going to have three people in this building. And the other 32, we're going we're gonna to create new external links and we're going to have them working on their own Wi-Fi and with their own printers and their own internet connections. And so, you know, some of them are using their personal home computers. And you know, for the majority of businesses that I've talked to, you know, we're still very much in an emergency yeah. approach to this. Yeah. And so, to me, the question becomes: like, it's people have, uh, you know, people have been very forgiving. Uh, in this time, you know, particularly to their IT provider, um, you know, issues that they may have had before. Where they weren't nice to you. They were about them real fired up. They have the same issues now at home and they're realizing, oh, okay, you know what, I, I need to cut them some slack because of this whole thing that we've set up. Um, but the, the discussion, I think, becomes when is this no longer an emergency application of technology and when is this, you know, our standard for moving forward? Right. And if this is our standard, then what are the prerequisites, or what are the what are the standards um, that need to be adhered to? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a perfect example, even in our own business, you know, we've we've done a survey and asked our staff, you know, would you prefer to come back to the office full time? Prefer to work from home full time? 
prefer to split your time. Nobody said they wanted to come back to the office full time. And we went, oh, okay. Well, when we go to them and say, well, do you have a secure, quiet, private place to work? You know, are you willing to have your webcam turned on for every single team meeting? Right. You know, and, and, you, and you start adding those things in there, their attitude might change. Yes. When the honeymoon um, is over. Yeah. But I mean, rightfully so. You know, I was on the phone with a, not a client of mine, just a contact that I have. And he's part of a pretty big financial services company. And, uh, you know, he explained a little bit about his setup. And I, I, I held it in, but I just went, oh, man, like, that's, not, that's not how this should be done. Like, we're four months in here. Somebody should have probably closed that gap by yes. now. Jesse, yeah. you're so funny. You must have been in my dining room this morning. My uh, husband works for one of the very large um, bank facilities in yeah. in Canada, and his IT, the phone, like they have these special phones uh, for his role so that he can shout, and my dining room looks like a trading floor right now. So they have this special phone, and the phone kept ringing, yeah. and it would just ring, and every, like, there were four or five other people, and it was happening on their phones too. I said, somebody's probably tried to hack you guys, and uh, this is the result of that. And when he came back later, he goes, 100%. Somebody tried to do something. Because, I mean, they get attacked all the time, right? Yeah. Security is definitely one of the biggest gaps, I think, for this at-home oh. period of time. And, yeah. you know, getting just making sure they were secure to do their job powerfully and mitigate as much risk as they possibly could. But talk well, a little bit more about that. Yeah, as I say, I mean, the thing around security is that, you know, particularly when you're talking to an IT guy, you know, the expectation is that we're going to talk about passwords and antivirus and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is important. But, you know, what about the fact that, um, you know, we have all of these employees. Um, so actually this financial services guy, he was, you know, sitting in, in his home, um, you know, having a conversation with me and, uh, you know, one of his roommates gets up off the couch that I can't see and, you know, wanders off into, you know, another room over there. Right. Go, okay. So this guy's handling millions of dollars in transactions. Should that person be They're able listening. to overhear the conversations that are being had? Yeah. You know, for my staff, you know, we, we often are told in advance when, you know, a higher level employee at one of our clients is going to be let go. You know, hey, you know, Thursday afternoon, three o'clock, the CFO is done. Well, who's in, who's in the, in, in my He's now hearing those messages. This is such you know. a great point. Um, you know, even things like your cell phones. I mean, as much security as you put on, on a computer, you know, around document control and that kind of stuff. I mean, I can pull a phone and I'll take a picture of the screen. Yeah. Right? What's what's stopping you from any of this? Yeah. Um, and so... Well, there's a lot of legal stuff that's happening online now. So there's even trials and hearings and tribunes and mediation. And, you know, people are struggling with how do they read that body language? And is that person alone? Like, are they reading from another lawyer pushing through messages on that phone, like you just said? And it's really hard. How do you manage that? Yeah. So, so you have to... You, you, Every business is going to have to figure out, you know, best and worst case scenarios and what risk they're willing to take. Um, you know, every single one of our staff signs a um, confidentiality agreement. Is that enough? Well, no, 
right? We still need some technology controls. We need some training. We need, you know, right. some way of enforcing those standards. Yeah. I think that's such a fascinating thing because now a lot of the NDAs that you would have signed with your employees before will include a lot more based on now this whole pivot, right? So you just made a great point on risk of, you know, mitigating risks and what are those new contracts going to look like? And do you have to go back and have now like, okay, if you're going to have a hybrid model and you're going to stay at home for a certain period of time, you have certain protocols, as you just said. So I'm sure you're busy working on helping your clients figure out what their those protocols are and how to fix some of those things. You're grinning. <laughs> okay, that's a new service offering for the company. Uh, yeah, I mean, the reality is, you know, small, medium businesses are the ones that we work with. And yeah. I mean, just like us, there's, uh, there's room to be done on all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, I mean... Even though we're three months into this, it's it's still very much a reactive situation. Yes. Um, and so businesses are they're all you know I just met with a, a medical clinic this morning and I mean cost is their absolute number one concern. Yeah. You know I, I walked around I didn't even touch their computers I walked around and pointed out probably four health information act infringements um, without even, without even touching their computers. Yeah. And. You know, recognizing that you actually have an act that tells you what you have to do, and I can tell you that you're not doing it, and still their concern is price. Yeah. So you go, okay, you know, we, we, we've got to strike a balance here between, you know, compliance and security and cost, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, if, if medical offices, which I think do, all, do okay financially, yeah. They, um, aren't making the, the investments, you know, how would we expect a manufacturing facility or a, you know, a home builder or, you know, something that isn't regulated to be, you know, living up to those levels? Well, you, you point to a great thing because often people will come to me for coaching after something bad has happened oh, okay. and they come when they're in pain. So sure. the minute they didn't comply to that act and they're now in trouble, by whomever is the regulation body of that. That's when they'll come to you and they'll be like, fix it and we'll pay anything. As yeah. opposed to if we had have done it in the first place, you wouldn't have the problem and you wouldn't have the pain. So I think that's really important as entrepreneurs for all of us to look at our business and go, wait, my business is an investment. What are the pains I don't want to have? What do I want to avoid? And have your IT, have you know your IT company and solutions help you solve some of those problems before you get to a problem. Because it's way more costly at the other end of it to solve it than it is in the forefront. Yeah. And I think it's a smart investment. And I think people need to make that mindset shift that you're going to help them avoid really costly and expensive mistakes. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, you're using the word investment. And, and that's one of the things that we talk about internally, you know, what is a good client, right? And I mean, obviously we want clients that treat us well and pay their bills on time and follow our recommendations and, you know, those types of things. But a lot of it has to do with mindset too. Yeah. You know, if, if we have two different businesses who each, you know, sign a check each month and send it to us, but we know that one of them thinks of it as an expense yeah. and one of them thinks of it as an investment, I mean, that line down the middle the investment client is our best client. 
because they understand that if it wasn't for technology, their business would be idle. Yeah. But the other guys, they're constantly trying to push down and, and drive that that cost down. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, what is your return? You know, we've we've got a, a home builder that we're going to be working with here right away, and our our proposal to them is significantly higher than the than the previous IT company. But we have this entire process around business strategy that's going to be worked into it. That they're like, that is what we're missing. We want when this COVID things goes away, we want to be building double the houses with the same amount of people. Yes. Just so autom- how do we leverage technology? Automation and automate the, the mundane, as you said, the repetitive mundane tasks that people would rather be actually building and creating and doing their craft than doing all that other stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's fantastic. Tell me a little bit about um, your, one, your entrepreneurial journey. We'll just start there because you said you've been in business for over 30 years and you're only 29. Uh, so <laughs> tell me a little bit about that because I think there are so many people looking right now to reboot, reset, what kinds of companies should they be buying? A lot of people are looking at technology companies to purchase as they reinvent who they are. So maybe share with our audience and with me a little bit about your, your personal entrepreneurial journey. Why did you start sure. this? Sure. So I didn't start this. So I'm second generation in this ah. business. My parents started it um, yeah, when I was nine. And uh, so I've, I've worked in this business one way or another since I was a kid. Um, you know, there was a point in time where if you called in, and my dad was out doing things. You, you might have gotten help desk support from a 12-year-old um, you know, in his basement. But um, you know, for me, I guess you know, when I came out of, out of school, um, I went to Grant McEwen and did a business management program there. And to me, I, I, I've always had an interest in business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've, I've told you know, my, my dad a number of times, you know, if, if it was a drywalling business, I probably still would have been there. Um, I just would have been thinking about it as a business, right? And so, you know, part of it is that I got lucky that for some reason my my dad decided to start a computer company in 1990, like well before people had computers, (laughs) Um, you know, and and obviously it it grew and expanded. And I think the cool thing for me is because I've, I've worked, you know, in the business for that whole time is I've seen... You know, I've seen trends in home, you know, in retail, you know, we've had, you know, big customers and small customers and, you know, this whole evolution from, you know, time and materials to managed services to, you know, what we're going into next, which is more of that business outcomes, business intelligence, you know, constantly thinking about how can technology support business, um, and, and adapting as we've gone. So, you know, for me, it's, it's fun because there's an endless amount of opportunity in front of us. Um, it really just depends on what we want to do and what we can do well. And, uh, and particularly now that we're having these business conversations, I get to take that same, you know, excitement and passion that I've had in building this business and I get to go and talk to other um, you know, to my clients and yeah. to other business people. And, you know, I pick up things from them and just, you know, if I can leave one little nugget with them, um, you know, every time we talk, um, you know, we're, we're helping them you know, with much more than just, you know, that technology side of it. Yeah. Uh, two quick questions. So my first one is what business pivot have you made 
So what change or maybe you've made an acquisition or you're thinking about it or maybe you're like, what change have you made? Sure. So yeah, I'm living back up. So the interesting thing, so my dad started the business in 1990. I came into it really full time in 2002 and have you know basically been running it since 2003, 2004, um, became the, the sole owner in 2014, I think it was. Um, and so I have initiated a ton of, of pivots. Um, you know, in the early days, we uh, we invested in, and started up our own um, offsite backup company when businesses were still using a lot of tape and zip disks and you know physical media, and we were looking for a way to um, you know build that recurring revenue, that predictable recurring yes. revenue in our business, but also to fill a gap with our clients with you know, problems in recovering from tapes and, and all of that and giving us the ability to monitor it and, and to manage a hundred backups with one person, you know, as opposed to the old way where I mean, it was one person for one backup, like there was just no other way to do it. Um, then when we got into the late two thousands, we, you know, I started, um, figuring out what this whole managed services world was about where clients would pay us a flat monthly fee and we you know we put together a list of um, products or services and you know items for them um, made a couple of acquisitions uh, our, our largest was in 2018 um, we bought another um, IT provider out here that uh, you know that was a 50% jump in our business mm-hmm. in, in every single metric in terms of revenue clients employees um, and you know, much more than fifty percent jump in terms of headaches. Um, you know, and so when we talk about a bunch of the things that we're doing now, I mean, the reality is is that we we have had to figure these these things out because um, you know, one thing that we realized is that I I have the relationships with our clients. Yeah. Uh, and the the one that we bought, the owner there had the relationships with his clients. Those business conversations. Well, now he's not around, and I have 50% more of these clients that I have to, you know, engage in these conversations. And so, you know, being a business coach, I'm sure you talk about systems and processes with your clients all the time. And so it wasn't easy, but we, it took about six months to figure out that was one of our gaps after this acquisition. And then it took us another six months to figure out, okay, well, how do we systematize you know, a, a conversation yeah. and gathering information and making recommendations so that I don't have to lead every single one of those meetings. Yeah. Um, and uh, those are yeah, big, so, those are big leadership shifts. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm the first to admit, like when I look back at it, so it's been two years since we made that acquisition and I would say um, we could have been much further ahead today had I realized how big of a change yeah. in you know my role and my leadership, um, you know skills and development, and and my team's leadership capabilities, how much we would have needed, yeah. um, you know, I think we went into it and just thought, hey, we'll we'll bring this stuff in and we'll just do fifty we'll percent. Double up, yeah, yeah, it doesn't work that way. And when I look back at it now, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I I was the weak link uh, for sure. I have to take. Uh, but those are incredible leadership journeys too because if you hadn't have done it that way and understood what what you could do better and differently more efficiently then you wouldn't have that learning right as i said we respond to we do things we change things when we're in pain 
right? So often clients will call me after they've made that acquisition and they're like, this isn't going in the direction that we had intended. Help. And we do that as well. So we do a lot of coaching and and bringing the culture of of the organization to a new culture because what happens often when you buy something, people who feel like they were the ones that were bought, they feel less than and you know, they feel displaced and then they, there's all kinds of bad human behavior that tends to show up in there. I'm sure you lived it. And you're like, why didn't we meet before, Christine? Next time you make an acquisition, I know you'll call me. Um, well, you know, the, the worst part about it is, is that before I made the acquisition, I actually uh, I called a, a forum meeting with, you know, a bunch of my contacts. So I had a lawyer, an accountant, a uh, well, man, there was probably a dozen of them, and you know, I, I laid out the thing, and and sure enough, they told me, yeah, like these are the things that are non-negotiable. Like you have to do these things fast, and you have to make sure that people understand which culture is, you know, which which company is the one that's, you know, the the dominating one. Yeah, and, and of course, I was like, oh no, you know, we can take our time. We can see what's working on each side, and, and I look back and like, yeah, yeah. Not a good listener. <laughs> no, those are great skills to learn, though, and now you know. You learn the hard way, right? I think also the uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, I think you guys own your own real estate. So you've got a lot of people that are working from home, and there are a lot of entrepreneurs in the same position right now where they own the building. They have the bricks and mortar, and they have a lot of their employees saying, we'd actually rather work from home or do flex time. What yeah. are the kinds of decisions that you're thinking of on that? Are you bringing them all back? Because right now that's that's easy because it's a honeymoon phase. But reality, you know, three to four months down the road when they haven't been able to get together in a normal manner or your meetings are misfiring or there's a lot of things that are not kind of moving at the same pace. Um, what are your thoughts? You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, like I said, I did that survey and I heard that. People like being at home. And I went, hmm, you know, like we literally are just at the tail end of a two-year renovation. Uh, we just have our lunchroom to finish. <laughs> Everybody's got nice new sit-stand desks and, you know, monitor arms. And, like, we've done everything we can to make this, you know, a, a nice, comfortable place to come and, and work. And, uh, you know, I asked people and they told me that they, they would prefer to have lunch with their spouse and to, you know, sit out on the deck, you know, when they have their afternoon coffee. We'll see how they feel in January about that. Yeah. And so, well, exactly. And so, you know, I've had to listen to that and go, you know what? Maybe there's an opportunity that we're missing here because, you know, the reality is, is that when, when I've, you know, brought new staff on, I have a couple that are out east, um, but by and large, I'm restricting my hiring to a 40-kilometer radius, you know, when the absolute greatest, you know, people for my team might be in Saskatoon or Yellowknife or Costa Rica, you know, like, I don't know. And so, for me, it's, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about just, you know, giving people that option and saying, you know what, that's great, you want to work from home. If you'd like to work from home, here are the criteria, yeah. right? So first of all, is your position eligible to work from home? Right. So if you were, you know, in certain types of roles, maybe that wouldn't be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, maybe there's a hands-on component where you need to you know, physically you know, manage hardware. Um, but if your job is eligible, then what are the requirements to work from home? Like we talked about, you know, private space, webcam on, you know, dress the part, you know, all of those, those types of things. And then, you know, the final bit will be, you know, are you personally eligible? Yeah. Um, so, you know, do we have any, any issues or concerns or, you know, disciplinary items that would tell yeah, us that you can't work this way? Right. And, uh, I'll be curious to see when we lay the when we lay that out for the staff, how many of them go, oh, oh, okay, so I, it's not have sports net on while you know, doing, well, doing my job, right? Like, what sports net actually has there been a sport yet? Yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> there is no hockey right now. Right, you can tell I'm a real sports fan. <laughs> I, I have three boys in my house, so I understand. <laughs> One of them is my husband. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I love what you touched on because you just created where your own thinking about the company was limited to the radius in which you could hire. You now have global access, which gives you a greater global access for your company being able to provide the solutions that you did. And well, that's, that's awesome. Good. Yeah. I mean, if, if we you know, look three years down the road and we have half a dozen people, you know, working in Regina. Well, why don't we have clients in Regina? Yeah, exactly. And we have, we have enough people that if they need us to go there, we can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're not a huge company. We're, we're 20 people right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, the way, the way that it's grown and, um, you know, the opportunity that's in front of us, I, I think that it'll be a, a really good way for us to expand. Yeah. You know, I, potentially customers. Yeah, I think you're on to something extraordinary. So, Jesse, I really thank you for being on the Coach C podcast and the Daily C today. It's always a pleasure to just chat with you. Uh, where can people find you and reach you at Tier 3 IT Solutions? Yeah, so the webpage is just Tier 3 IT, so T I E R, the number 3IT.ca. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm not super active on social media. Um, so probably the webpage is the best place Okay, good. So thanks again for joining us today on the Coach C Podcast with Jesse Hill from Edmonton, just outside of Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, if you're listening to the Coach C Podcast and watching us on our YouTube channel, uh, you can find me on Coach C Official on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn, Christine Nielsen. It's spelled the Danish way. And you can also check us out at Contrast Results Group. Please do go to our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, give us stars on our Apple uh, so that we can get those ratings up and we can bring you more content with real entrepreneurs, real business owners, and real conversations that matter and make a difference. Thanks, Christine.